their rooms, and we're going to turn to Matthew 21. Matthew 21. Thank you for your prayers. I am so thankful that I know people are praying for me, and uh, I know that uh, I'm here praying uh, just over this preaching, this teaching this morning, and thinking about uh, everybody praying for me and uh, appreciating that. I hope you better take that seriously. Pray for your pastor. Pray for me. Lord will anoint. Hallelujah. You just tell God with a, if you pray for anything, you God, I, I need to be saved. I need to hear the truth. I, I need something that's going to be good and real and help me. Amen. To live my life for you. I, I don't need some, somebody playing games with my soul. You, you just get on him. Amen. And help him. And, and I appreciate that. Amen. I believe God, uh, everything we do, it's, uh, because God's people are praying and if it's, if it's, uh, if it's any good at all, it's because God, God did it. Amen. Matthew 21. If you have it, say amen. amen. Father, thank you for your presence today. Thank you for what we've already heard, what we've already felt, God. Thank you for helping us today and giving us your strength and Lord, just a blessing beyond what we can even value, Lord God, how Lord, to, to come into your presence and to, to feel your touch, God. And, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would just help us again through your word. Let your word, Lord, just bring us, Lord, just understanding and faith, God. Open our eyes that we could see the truth of your word. And, God, bless each one, I pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. 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 Matthew 21, verse 6, and the disciples went. And did as Jesus commanded them. That's always good. Yeah. Obedience, praise God, is always good. Yeah. And you're obeying Jesus. Hallelujah. Brought the ass and the colt and put on them their clothes. And they set them thereon. And a very great multitude spread their garments in the way. Others cut down branches from trees and strawed them in the way. And the multitudes that went before and that followed, cried, saying, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he was coming to Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? And the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet of Nazareth of Galilee. God bless you. You can be seated. We uh, know that in the church world of today, that today... Uh, some have called the beginning of the Holy Week. I want to say today that every day of Jesus' ministry was holy. Right. And can I tell you, every word that is spoken in his scriptures are holy. Yes, and we, uh, we, we love every part of it. We celebrate every part of it. Amen. Excited so much about everything that Jesus has done. Every part of his word. Don't ever get yourself in this idea that, well, listen to me, that's really good, but I'm going to tell you what the red letters in my Bible say. It's all Jesus. Amen. It's all his word. Amen. Hallelujah. Don't, uh, don't fall for that idea. It all is profitable, the Bible says, for doctrine and for reproof and correction and instruction and in righteousness. Amen. I want to talk a little bit about what happened this day. And I want to put some context to it that I think if uh, if we can look at the word of God, yeah. you know, if the word of God can challenge you, let it. Oh, yeah. If the word of God can confront you with 
what you believe and what you uh, understand. Let God be true. Amen. And let every opinion of man be a lie. Praise God. This great day that was happening where Jesus came in humble on this colt and and was met with rejoicing is many times called the triumphant entry of Jesus into Jerusalem. It was a day that was prophesied of. It was a day that was being fulfilled. Zechariah in the ninth chapter talks about it very clearly. Verse 9 of chapter 9 in Zechariah says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just in having salvation lowly and riding upon an ass and upon the colt, a colt, the foal of an ass. This is one of the many, many prophecies that Jesus fulfilled in his ministry as proof that he was the Messiah, as proof that he was the king that would come to save not only Israel, but save the world. Amen. This uh, prophecy in Zechariah, as the Messiah would come into that eastern gate that day and and be riding upon this colt and riding in as they would bring their palm leaves. And, and many, several hundred years after this, there began to be a, uh, a uh, observance, if you will, of palm branches. My wife has some, uh, some experience in the Catholic church and some of you as well and talked about how they would march around the church with palm leaves and and uh, but let's look a little bit closer at some of the context of what was really happening in this day excuse me not only was prophecy being fulfilled to point to jesus you might say well you know what that's kind of a an easy one to fulfill i mean he just did what he knew the the Messiah was supposed to do. But there was something even more just specific that was happening. Probably one of the, the, the most amazing prophecies that was fulfilled on this day. All right. That we're reading about in, in uh, Matthew. In Luke, the 19th chapter, Jesus, and we're going to get back to a little bit more of the context right after this triumphant entry. Everybody's shouting. Everybody's excited. Everybody's saying, Hosanna, save us, is what that means. They're, they're professing him to be that king, that, that Messiah. They're saying, hey, you are the one we've been waiting for. But I want to, I want to point to something that makes this even so much more amazing. In Luke 19, 42, Jesus, it says, is saying, if thou had known even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Drop down to verse 44. They shall lay thee even with the ground, thy children within thee. They shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. I want to point out that Jesus here after, shortly after this, he 
describes that day, that moment as their day and their time of visitation. They not really even comprehending the depth of what was really happening as Jesus begins to point back to a prophecy in Daniel. That in Daniel, the ninth chapter, there was a prophecy that not only talked about a Messiah coming, but literally gave a time frame. Look at it in Daniel, the ninth chapter. Not sure how many of you are familiar with the 70 weeks of Daniel, as it's called so often. But Daniel 9, 24 gives a timetable of a date that would this would be fulfilled he says 70 weeks are determined upon thy people later on in this to save some time you can look over it we really uh could spend the whole day looking breaking this down but from the time of the rebuilding of nehemiah's day there would be a very specific time frame of how long it would be until Look what it says, determine upon thy people, upon thy holy city, to finish the transgression. Sin is going to be taken care of. At the end of this time, it is an exact date of time that was spent from the commandment that went out, I believe, by Darius to rebuild the temple, or Cyrus rather, to go ahead and that the Messiah would come into town and make an end of sin. To finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity. Somebody say salvation. salvation. To bring in everlasting righteousness. This was the plan of God. Yes. To seal up the vision and the prophecy and to anoint the most holy. There was a prophecy given back in the day of Ezra and Nehemiah that this would go forth and the Messiah would come for a specific purpose. Listen now. To make an end of sin. To take care of finished transgressions. To make reconciliation for iniquity. Sadly. Sadly what's happening is they're excited because they're thinking, hey, he's going to be a great political leader and he's going to run off the Romans. We're tired of these Roman taxes. Can you blame them? We're tired of these Romans' oppression. They're their occupation of our land. But see, God was going to do something greater than that. God was going to do something deeper than that. God had a plan for salvation, for the hearts and the lives of his people. Amen. When he comes into town triumphant, they're shouting and waving their palm branches and they're excited and saying, save us. They're not saying, save us from sin. They're not broken. They're not repentant. They're saying, save us. And it, you say, how can you say that they're talking about Rome? Because shortly after that, when Jesus does fulfill this through this death on the cross, these same people are saying, crucify him. Let his blood be on our hands. And on our children's hands, we'll take the guilt. That's exactly what happened just a few days later. I want to look at this context. I want to look at what happens after the parade. I want to show you what happens and what's really going on in this chapter. 
We're going to stay in Luke. We're going to look at some of this. No, there's three things that happen. And stay with me to the end. Stay with me to this because I think you're going to understand how important this is to us today. How we are going to apply this to our lives. Luke 19, verse 41. Some things that are missing when people are talking about this great day. You know what I feel like is so missed in a lot of people's lives? They're looking for something that excites them. They're looking for something that blesses them. They're looking for something that entertains them. Wait a minute. What's God like? What's God want? What pleases him? That's most important. That's why we're here. Luke 19, 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and he wept over it. When Jesus finishes this entry, one thing that happens, we're going to look at three. One thing that happens, he finds himself a place on a hill and he looks at the city. And he doesn't say, wow, so great. Oh, I feel so loved. I feel so blessed to see the hearts of people just so full of revival, so full of power. He weeps. He weeps. Say, Pastor, what are you trying to do here with with this? This is exciting. I want to see the heart of Jesus. I want to see what he's thinking about all this. And we're going to see some of these verses. He weeps over the city. Saying, if thou hast even known, even thou at least in this day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. Jesus is getting ready to do the thing that humanity needed more than anything else to pay the price for sins. To come in, to move in, and, and, and to be a redeemer, to be that sacrificial lamb. The greatest need that they had was the need of their hearts to be freed from sin, to be changed, to be broken, and for them to have that reconciliation that Daniel talked about. The law couldn't do it. The Old Testament couldn't do it. Keeping commandments couldn't do it. There was still a disconnect that had to happen through the death of Jesus, his burial, and his resurrection. And he comes and realizes they don't, they're not seeing this. If thou hadst known, even thou at least in, in this day, the things which belonged unto thy peace, now they are hid from thine eyes. For thy, the day shall come upon thee. He's saying judgment's going to come. He's prophesying now like he did in Matthew 24, the destruction of the temple, the destruction of Jerusalem that happened uh, some probably, uh, some maybe 35 years after this. If thou hadst known even this in that day, verse 43, in the day that shall come upon thee and the enemy shall cast a trench about thee, compass thee round, keep thee on every side, shall lay thee even with the ground. Remember when Jesus said in Matthew 24, they said, look at the temple. Isn't it amazing? Uh, you know, he had just got done rebuking all the religious leaders and calling them hypocrites. And I can only imagine maybe some of them thought, oh, it's kind of kind of awkward. You know, uh, somebody, you know, talk about the, the weather would be obvious. <laughs> wow, isn't the temple beautiful? Don't, don't even get your attention on that. That's not what this is about. Yeah. In fact, that temple, not one stone. What an amazing prophecy. See, those stones were immense. That temple was one of the wonders of the world at that time. 
And the, 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 the structure was made where those stones were quarried so perfectly. They say you couldn't slip a piece of paper in between how well they fit together and the, the, the immenseness of, uh, of those stones. And he said, not one stone's going to be left upon another. It's going to be so devastated. Right. Judgment is coming. And he starts talking to them. They said, what's going to happen? When is this going to happen? And tell us about the end. He says, here, verse 44, they shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee, and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another, because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. He's crying over Jerusalem. In one place we read him, his, his weeping, saying, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. We quote it so often. How often would I have gathered you as a hen doth her brood? Uh, it reminds me there of the song we were singing from Psalm 91. He covers you with his feathers under his wings. You can trust his truth will be his shield and a buckler. Listen to me, that protects you. He said, I would have protected you, but you would not. And he says, behold, your city's laid left to you desolate. Something happening here. There was something going on that 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 went past all their excitement. That was beyond what they were willing to re- recognize and comprehend. The second thing that happened in this context, Luke 19. After he weeps over the city, here is their Messiah. Here is the one who's going to come and bring righteousness, bring peace. He walks into the temple. He goes down into and see their worship, to see their how they 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 have that relationship with God. He comes in to church and watches their worship. Luke nineteen forty five. This is right after the triumphant. This is the context of this great moment of of shouting and and praise to to the king. He weeps over the city, then he goes into the temple. Does he go into the temple and say, oh, what amazing worship. Oh, the presence of God. Do you remember when Solomon gave his, his, uh, his uh, prayer and the glory came down and filled the house so much that people couldn't even stand because the presence of God was in that place so thick? Do you remember all the glorious praise and honor and sacrifice under the king? Oh, it's not, it's not gotten worse one bit, but just gotten better and better. Here's a people who are crying out for a savior, crying out for redemption, crying out for help, and he comes into the temple. Is that what he sees? He goes into the temple, begins to cast out them that sold therein and them that bought, saying unto them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. It was more about their making money, right? More about their business. More about uh, having a productive day than really a walk with God. More about bringing in a a big offering than really helping the weak, ministering to the needy. Amen. Preaching the the gospel, pointing people to Jesus. He comes into the temple, their place of worship, and he drives them out. You know, and other 
gospels that tell the story as well of him taking a, a whip and putting it together, throwing tables over it angered him. He goes from weeping over the city. You don't realize what's happening. You're not really seeing what God wants to do in you. And then he goes to their worship, goes right to the place where they should have said, there's the center of it all. There's the one we've been pointing to all our lives. There's the one we've been waiting for. You remember when he was just a child. One of the only accounts we have in the childhood of Jesus, they go to Jerusalem to make a sacrifice and they're going through all the motions, all the rituals, all the sacrifices. And then somebody says, hey, where's Jesus? I thought he was with you. I didn't even think about it. Where? Hey, I thought he was with you. I figured somebody was watching him. It's kind of nothing has changed They're They're, they're looking at everything else but Jesus. When they should have said, hey, forget about that lamb. There's the lamb. Hey, forget about that sacrifice. Here comes our sacrifice. Yeah. Amen. Yes, this was the fulfillment of all that they had looked toward. Every bit of what was going into that, that the form of worship was walking in their midst, fulfilling the prophecies, fulfilling. And he looks at them and professes to them in anger. This ought to be a house of prayer. Right. My father's house ought to be a call to house of prayer unto all nations. But you made it a den of thieves. Help us, Lord. One more thing. One more thing that really on the surface, I've heard it preached so many times, but to put it into context just gives it a completely different light. So we're going to turn to Matthew 21 in this. Hallelujah. I know it's... uh, Maybe a little somber, but stay with me. God's got good news. Matthew 21. So Jesus comes through the triumphant entry. He finds a place on a hill and weeps over the city. He comes down. He walks in the temple. and He cleanses the temple in anger. And as he's walking with his disciples now, very strange thing happens. Now in the morning... As he returns unto the city the next day, but this is right in line with the triumphant entry, the weeping, the cleansing of the temple. Now, in the morning as he returns to the city, he hungers. Jesus is walking into the city and he's hungry. And when he saw the fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon, listen now, but leaves only. All right. He said unto it, let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. When disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, how soon is the fig tree withered away? I think sometimes we look at this episode here in the life of Jesus and He goes on because the disciples get astonished at how this happened and so quickly. And they say, oh, how how is this possible, really? They start asking, how, how can this be? And he, he tells them, if you have faith, you can see great things happen. But really the question isn't so much how did he do it, but why did he do it? Because I don't believe for a minute Jesus just was hungry, kind of hangry, really, right? 
comes up to a fig tree. I'm hungry. Looks like it should be the time to get figs off of this tree, but there's no figs to be gotten. And, oh, you know, I curse you from the... When did Jesus ever do something kind of out of frustration and anger? There was a lesson to be learned here. See, what he just saw happen in Jerusalem, what he just saw in their worship, in their excitement... He is showing forth in this almost as a parable, an illustration. When God comes and visits and he's looking for something specific. You go back to Isaiah and you'll see how he planted a vineyard. And he hedged it about, protected it, built a wall and built a tower in it. And he came back looking for, in that instance, he was looking for grapes. But it produced wild grapes. You know, when God plants something, he's going to come back and look and see how good it's doing. He planted, he watered, he took such good care of them and all their worship, all their shouting was a big show of great leaves being waved in the air, but there was no fruit. There was no fruit that God could just take and say, that's what I'm looking for. What happened in Jerusalem that day, he was showing a picture of when he cursed that fig tree. It's all leaves. But that's not what I planted you to be. Can I tell you today, God is visiting us. I'm telling you today, again, something special is going on. God's moving in a beautiful way. God's coming in these last days and blowing his wind of his spirit and coming to, to meet needs and answer prayers and draw near to us. But listen to me. We can't be just a bunch of show. We can't be like that fig tree, just a bunch of leaves. But you know what? At the end of the day, God's not looking, finding what he's looking for. We come to church and shout and dance and get excited about how good we feel. But God, at the end of the day, I want to make sure you're getting what you have paid for. You didn't just pay for a show. You didn't just pay for me to feel good about myself. You paid that I might be your child. Changed, born again, old things passed away. Problem with the palms is that it's just all leaves. Where's the fruit? Where's the fruit of people that fall on their face and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner? Where's the fruit of somebody saying, God, I've tried my best all my life, but my best isn't good enough. I need you to pay a price for me. A love. That isn't just a feel good kind of experience, a love that isn't just a fair weather friend, a love that God knows it's not just, hey, I think I'm going to get a blessing. I think I'm going to get help. I think God's going to break the chains of the the Romans. But you know what? If he doesn't do it my way, I pray that they they nail him to that cross. God, help us. God's looking for something in us. He's looking for more than just a shell. More than just a self-serving religious experience. Looking for a, a, a church, if you will, that, that will, will, will surrender their life to God and bring forth good fruit. Amen. See, listen, there's a world today full of people that the world knows. You look at their life, they're one thing in church, one, another thing at home. Right. Hello? You can get as excited about God and lift your hands and shout, but when you leave this place, God's still looking for something. Something real. Amen. 
not hypocrisy, not just a show, praise God, but a life that's been changed, a life that says no to sin. A life that says no to the past of all the chains that the enemy had you bound in. A life that is moving toward him and away from all the things of bondage. Amen. Amen. There's too many people in this world that are looking at a church and saying, we said it here recently, saying, I don't see the difference at the job. Oh, they talk a good game, but I don't see the difference in their marriage. Hello? I don't see the difference in, in, in their home. I'm their neighbor. I don't see the difference. I, I, I don't see something that's, that's real. Amen. Hey, we have a responsibility to show this world we've got something that's real. Amen. Hallelujah. You having a bad day? Hey, you got the Holy Ghost. God's going to help you hold on to a testimony. You're having trials and tests? Cry out to God and let him be your strength. Amen. But Jesus comes looking for fruit. Amen. What's the Bible say? Let's turn to it in the book of Galatians. Hallelujah. See, I'm not. uh, I believe in, in. In this good worship that we had tonight. Today, rather. Songs of praise and worship to him. Lifting up our hands unto him, lifting up our voices to him. At times we'll even leap for joy and dance in the spirit. It's all scripture. It's all the word of God. But when you let the spirit of God work in you, it's going to change some things. You're not going to leave the same way you came. Hey, listen to me. I said you're not going to leave the same way you came. That means you're going to either get get softer in your heart and, and grow closer to him and God's going to be able to cleanse you or you'll get harder. You'll get harder. You'll, you'll build up a tolerance against that and be able to say, oh, that felt so good, and go right back to your sin. Help us, Lord. You have it in Galatians? Praise God. Well, you do. I don't. There it is. It's not in my notes here. Look what it says. It talks about the works of the flesh. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before and have also told you in time past that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Church needs to understand this. We have told you many times, continue to tell you. There are uh, just about every letter to every church has a list kind of like this. Hey, we need to be born again. We are a light to this world. We're not just, oh, I'm just a sinner saved by grace, living the same way I always live. He loves you. He'll save you, but he'll change you. And he said he'll wash you. First Corinthians 6 talks about that such were some of you. Amen. This idea that people are just just told, hey, live any way you want. You know, God's mercy, God's grace, his love. Just doesn't worry about that at all. He loves you so much. That's why we talk about chains. He'll break chains. But verse 22, the fruit of the spirit. You know what this is? This is a list of the character of Jesus. See, I'm not asking you about you or where you've been or what you've been through. But to be filled with the Spirit is to have Jesus in you. And when He's planted in your life, He's going to bring forth something. That's right. There should be days in your life where you're, you're tested. 
And at the end of the day, you say, that wasn't me. That was Jesus in me. I know how I used to handle things like that. I know how I used to be when somebody did me wrong. I know how I once was, but this is a miracle. Some of the greatest miracles happening, praise God, aren't something we stand up and say, I can't believe I didn't do. I'd be ashamed to say what I I, I used to do when I'm tempted, when I'm tried, when I'm pushed. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Amen. Kind of love that is a supernatural. Not the kind of love that is, well, natural. Just it shows up when everybody's shouting, everybody's excited. But a love that sacrifices. Amen. A love that gives. A love that's like Jesus. Joy. Hallelujah. In the world today. Listen, we're not talking about some fake, cheesy, shallow grin that just you see through a mile away. Talking about somebody that lives above the clouds of the storm. Somebody that's got joy, even though you've got troubles and trials, you've got something inside of you. Praise God. I believe it says it in Nehemiah. The joy of the Lord is your strength. That joy that is in you that gives you gives you hope. Even though things aren't going your way. Amen. Peace. Bible talks about peace that passes understanding. God's looking for fruit. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. I want to tell somebody this today. I, I believe in holiness. I believe that God will separate. The Bible talks about be separate. Come out from among them and be separate. Amen. God will cleanse your life. Amen. The things you look at, things you listen to, the, the way you present yourself to this world, God will clean, clean that up. Make it, bring it in a place where it glorifies God. Amen. Amen. But no matter how, may I use this word, strict you are with yourself All right. for the right reasons, yeah. it's not a pass on the fruit of the Spirit. That's right. Amen. If you know how to present yourself in holiness in this world, but you're missing the fruit. You don't get a pass. Amen. Well, praise God. No matter how modest you may be, God bless you for it. I believe in it. The Bible talks about it. Where's your peace? Where's the fruit? Where's your long suffering? When people say, ah, you know, I can't be as patient as, as you. Can you be as patient as Jesus? Don't compare yourself to me or anybody else. Amen. Sometimes I get so impatient in myself, but you know what? Then I just say, God, you lead and I'll follow. You lead. It's your patience that's in me. This isn't a list of things I need to work on. Uh Uh-uh. This is a list of the character and nature of Jesus that lives in us when we're filled with the Spirit. You say, well, I don't know. I, I, I did this and I said this and I prayed this and I do this every day. He comes looking for fruit. Amen. If he all he finds is leaves, the show, the outward show. Isn't that what the Pharisees had? Amen. Isn't that what much of the religious institution today is? Where's the difference? Where's the change? Where's Jesus in our midst? 
Hallelujah. Gentleness. Well, praise God. It goes just hand in hand with being patient. Be careful. Be careful with God's babies. Amen. Be gentle. Love like God loves his church. Amen. Goodness. So simple, but so profound, really. To be good in a world full of evil. To have principles that you stand on that don't change depending on the company you keep. Amen. Don't change because of, uh, uh, of your family or your friends. You just good because that's how God is. God is good. Faith in a day so full of battles and trials and things pulling you down. How can you have faith? You got Jesus in you, his faith. You know, so often the Bible refers to faith as having the faith of God. Because you know what? When my faith lacks, I just I tap into his faith. See, he knows it's going to be all right. I need his faith in me. Bible talks about the gifts of the spirit and faith is a gift that sometimes you just got to tap into and say, okay, God, I don't see how this is going to work. I don't understand how this could be your will, but I'm just going to tap into your faith. Amen. Meekness, humility. Oh, pride is causing so many to stumble. Jesus came humble. Lord, help me to point to you and not myself. And temperance, self-control, self-control that when my will and what I want and what I'm looking for is not happening, God, help me not to to lose control and do something I know is not your will. They that are Christ and it were rather against such. There is no law. Let me say this in closing. Religious show without fruit. There's going to be worship. There's going to be there's going to be praise. Just like in the service today, there's going to be a, a, a an outpouring of adoration to God. But He's looking deeper than just the leaves. He's looking for hearts that are surrendered to Him. Didn't we sing something here today about I give my all? I give my all and how I thought as we sang that, Lord, don't let it be something I'm singing about and not doing right now. Don't let it be the words of a song and not what I am expressing to you. In one place, Jesus said, they honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. The problem with the palms is that the hearts of the people We're so quickly swayed from Hosanna, son of David, to crucify him because there was no fruit. Can we bow our heads in prayer? I know sometimes, like I said earlier, the word of God can make us uncomfortable. It can challenge us. But oh, hallelujah. I know there's people here today hungry for more. Hungry to. To not just go through a religious experience, but to have a. A walk with God that makes a change, makes a difference, gives you something in your life that's greater than. The man's validation and man's approval. 
but that God would say, well done. Listen to me, I know I know there's hearts here that you have just done exactly that. You have surrendered all. You have given Him your all. And, but I feel like there's also some here today God wants to wants to show you again. He's looking for something in you. He's looking for that fruit. He's looking for that one that'll turn away from an old life and turn to a new. See, just going through the motions never really satisfied you. I've heard people say, well, I've tried it. Did you really? Did you really try Jesus? Did you really fall in love with Him? Did you really turn your life over to Him? Because I can tell you, if you did, He'll meet you there and be a friend to you that destroys depression, destroys addiction, every crutch that you've leaned on to try to deal with your life. He's greater than that. It's not just coming to church. It's not just going through the motions like so many. But you look around and you see people there humble and broken and reaching out with all their hearts. Do that for you. God will take your heart. He'll heal it. The hurt that you've experienced, the trials you've faced, he'll he'll be a friend to you. Too many people have come to church and just kind of got in with the crowd. I don't know, I lift my hands because they do. I pray and I sing those songs because they do. But they never really get the understanding that there's a visitation. What that means. There's a presence of God here to reach out and get a hold of. Touch. Let it change your life. I want to tell somebody today, he's here today. He's coming into these services in a in a great way. But... Will you surrender to Him? Will you give Him your all? Will you make up your mind and say, I'm not just going to go through the motions of a church service, but I want a, I want a life that's... It's changed. That's new. I want a life that's free. I want this joy, this peace. I want this love. I want I want Jesus to make the change in me. This altar's open if you want to come pray. We're not talking about just joining a church. We're not just talking about going through motions. Talking about letting Jesus take your life and Yeah.
We love you so much. We give you all the glory, all the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. God bless you, church. God bless you.